can't tell you how many daily fantasy people that I'm now, that I consider friends, who I would have never met if I didn't come to one of these live events. It sounds odd to say that, but it, it's 100% true. You are listening to Fantasyland, the podcast that covers everything you didn't know you wanted to know about fantasy sports. I'm your host, Peter Overzet, and today we are taking a look at a DFS live final. It's the holy grail of daily fantasy sports. Sure, the chance at life-changing money is cool, but a live final is more about the all-expense-paid trip to a fun location where the finalists get to mingle with the biggest names in the industry while sweating the action in person in-person being the operative words there. DFS tends to be a solitary affair, with players poring over numbers and spreadsheets by themselves and listening to podcasts on 2x speed. Unless you consider Twitter replies social interaction, which you shouldn't by the way, live finals provide one of the few venues for turning DFS into a social endeavor. It's basically the summer camp of DFS and everyone wants to go to one. DFS pros and touts are notorious for spending thousands upon thousands of dollars entering live final qualifiers, commonly referred to as queues. For them, the appeal is often less about the money and more so about the chance to add to their resume and build their brand. People are much more likely to pay money for advice if they know the pro has a proven track record in live finals. But the real allure of the live final is for the recreational players, the little guys, the small fish, the people who might not ever get to experience something like a live final otherwise. People like Josh Wysocki, a 30-something-year-old Vermont resident with a day job in IT who likes playing fantasy on the side. I throw some bullets into just smaller entry stuff. You know, I've had like near misses and like $20 queues and $10 queues on FanDuel, so I, I do the smaller stuff. The tradition of live finals goes back to the very beginning of DFS. In December of 2010, FanDuel hosted the first ever live final. Since then, FanDuel and other DFS sites like DraftKings have consistently offered live finals as both a marketing tool and a way to celebrate the top players. While DraftKings and FanDuel have been the major players in the live final space, last fall, one of the newer entrants in the DFS market, Draft, announced a live final that would be co-hosted by DFS content provider Roto-Grinders in Nashville. The live final would have a $100,000 prize pool with $40,000 going to first place. It certainly wasn't the biggest live final prize pool, but it did represent the beginning of a new frontier for live finals, a final where all of the participants would draft their teams live in person as opposed to submitting their teams individually from the comfort of their own rooms. Josh, the recreational DFS player you just heard from, had always dreamed of qualifying for a live final, but this live final hosted by Draft and Roto-Grinders was of particular interest. Josh has done some freelance work for Roto-Grinders over the years, but has never had the chance to meet any of his peers face-to-face. -face. You know, going to these things and hanging out with people that you only see online or talk to online and making friends uh, that way, I, I think, is the biggest, biggest draw for me. 
The Roto-Grinders guys actually invited Josh to come down for the event as a spectator and guest before he even tried to qualify, but that wasn't going to be an option. I couldn't really afford to do <laughs> this trip to Nashville unless, you know, I won a queue. Knowing that his only chance at going to Nashville would be through qualifying, Josh got to work and began plotting a way to win a queue. There would be 10 qualifiers for 10 available seats at the live final, meaning Josh had up to 10 chances to win a seat. He swung and missed at the first few qualifiers, while others were out of his price range. But with only one small $15 qualifier remaining, Josh took one more shot. This particular qualifier featured a dream team format where each participant selects any five players that they think will score the most points that week. There's no salary cap or monetary restrictions on selections, and players are not removed from the pool if another user selects them. While the majority of teams chased the big name players, Josh snuck in an under the radar T.Y. Hilton who exploded for 175 receiving yards and two touchdowns. You can probably guess what happened next. Josh rocketed up the leaderboard and won the queue. He was headed to Nashville. As the reality of the win settled in, Josh took note of his competition. Much to his chagrin, the other finalists comprised a murderer's row of DFS pros with gobs of live finals experience and GPP wins to their name. First, there was Eric Crane, a DFS pro and a Roto Grinders contributor. Oh, and a previous winner of the DraftKings Millionaire Maker Contest, which as the name suggests, netted him a million dollars. Needless to say, Crane is no stranger to live finals. My first live final, I was that guy, you know, I qualified for, um, I won like two different satellites starting at 10 bucks to get in. Next thing you know, I'm playing a $5,000 buy-in qualifier, you know, crapping yeah. myself. And I won that to get to my first live final. I guess this is what, my 10th or 11th then there is Steve Carl, a.k.a. Cash Monet, a true DFS grinder who specializes in baseball and is also well-versed in the live final circuit. I haven't been doing this for too, too long, but uh, my first live final was the, again, the DraftKings uh, 2016 baseball. Been to uh, King of the Beach in the Bahamas last year. That was awesome. What else have I been doing? The 2017 baseball one and this one. And in case that wasn't enough, also in the mix was Roto Grinder CEO Cal Spears, who at the time was coming off of a massive DFS win a few weeks before, where he, like Crane, won $1 million in DraftKings Millie Maker contest. If you if you win the Millie Maker a few weeks ago and you win this draft live final, I mean you're you're like man of the year in DFS. Luckiest man of the year. Luckiest man of the year. Whether they are DFS pros like Crane and Cash Monet or CEOs in the content space like Cal or recreational players like Josh, all of them had one thing in common. They couldn't resist the siren song of a live final. Here's Crane again talking to us in Nashville with Roto World senior editor Evan Silva joining us in the room. You know, these sorts of things are the money can't buy things, which is what I love. Like, you know, you get to come to these things, you get to compete at the live final, and that's just not something you can buy. You get to hang out. We get to hang out. I get to cuddle with my boy Evan. Like, life's good. Cash Monet told us about the great lengths he would go to qualify for a live final. I wish I could just buy my way in, and like, I've tried many times. They always shut me down. I'm just like, can I just buy a ticket at its face value? Like, yeah. And they're like, no, uh, obviously you have to qualify. <laughs> These, these things aren't easy to qualify for. You gotta, especially this, you gotta go through rounds and rounds and rounds. Uh, 
you know, beating a bunch of very good people. So it's it's hard. And you just, I, I mean, I love this, these live finals so much that, yeah, I, I go at them hard. But it's probably one of the main reasons I played it. No one summed up the appeal of live finals better than Dan Bach, though, the director of media at Roto-Grinders and the host of many podcasts and Sirius XM radio shows. You get to hang out with other people who are, like, nerdy like you. Like, get to enjoy an experience that, like, most other people that you know in your life don't care about. So you get to share that passion with other people, and, uh, and the camaraderie at these live events is amazing. Like, you get people who um, just know you by a screen name, but they're so welcoming and excited to kind of meet who you are. Bach told us that for the pros, the live finals represent a chance to gain a lot more notoriety compared to winning a random tournament on a weeknight. But that doesn't mean there also isn't downside to continually chasing qualifiers, which feature top-heavy payouts and little to nothing for everyone else. I think if most people did the diligence and looked and saw how much money they lost in qualifiers, they'd probably never play them ever again. But then when you finally get to one, you realize how fun it is, you see how much money you can make in a single day, and you get excited about playing them again. I've gotten swept up in live final mania myself, spending way too much money trying to qualify for an event when I would be much better off playing contests with flatter payout structures with less variance. But that just isn't as sexy or as fun. No one dreams about making small amounts of money at a slow and steady pace, and that assumes that I'm even good at DFS when I'm not. After losing close to $1,000 last year firing at DraftKings Live Finals qualifiers, I finally came to grips with the fact that it just wasn't going to happen for me the old-fashioned way. So when I heard about the Draft Live Final in Nashville, I shot Cam McMillan, the other co-founder of Roto Grinders along with Cal, a message about coming down to cover the event for a Fantasyland podcast. If you can't beat them, join them, right? Next thing you know, Fantasyland producer Pat Corain and I were on an early Saturday morning flight in November to Nashville for a weekend of partying, drafting, and watching the NFL action. After we landed, Pat and I grabbed a cab over to a YMCA because we heard about a pickup basketball game with the Roto Grinders crew. After getting sufficiently sweaty, we caught up with Josh after the game, and the pressure of the draft that coming night was starting to settle in. I mean, I hope I'm not like super nervous once it once we get in the moment but it's gonna be you know they're gonna have I think they're gonna have us like up on something making the picks and like somebody's announcing them like to the whole crowd so it's gonna be fun but yeah. probably a little nerve like nerve-wracking right especially if people are cheering or booing yeah like pick. it could be <laughs> like you know right it could be like the NBA draft or something like booing Adam Silver <laughs> Making things even more nerve-wracking for Josh was the fact that he would be picking first overall, thanks to a random drawing a few days prior. Normally, first picks are coveted, but in this case, Josh wasn't too thrilled. I kind of didn't want the first pick because <laughs> I kind of wanted to react to like how the first few picks were going. Since learning he had the 101, Josh had been leaning towards taking Kareem Hunt. But expert advice at the Roto Grinders party the night before had him rethinking the pick. Just hearing those couple top guys say, you know, gotta go Brady. Oh, Evan Silva was the other guy. Silva I heard, I heard Evan talking about Tom Brady as the lock of the century. So. 
never a good feeling to know you're disagreeing with Evan Silva. And on top of those pick decisions, one of the other things Josh had to consider was his personal risk tolerance. With $40,000 to first and only $1,500 to 10th, each place differential represented a significant jump in money. Often finishing in first takes a more anti-fragile and risky approach. Would Josh be willing to risk finishing last with an aggressive team gunning for first? Either way, I'm going to win money. This was only a $15 buy-in, so uh, I mean, everything's profit at this point, but I I think I'd be happy, like, top five. While it would be fun if Josh had told us he was going to go balls to the wall and try to win the whole thing with a contrarian lineup, you also have to respect the fact that he was approaching it from the perspective of making a smart financial decision. Of course, we still tried to coax out of him the wild plans that would be in store if he did win the 40000 though once again, Josh remained reasonable. Well, give half of it to, you know, the tax man <laughs> and uh, just pay off some debt. You know, get in a better spot. Um, I'll buy a few things. Boring stuff. Boring stuff, yeah. (laughs) Need a new dryer, new mattress, stuff like that. I'd probably get some new golf clubs, though. There you go. That'd probably be my splurge. Get some new sticks. After basketball and a chat with Josh, we showered and met up with Silva, his brother Drew, and Josh Hornsby for a boozy brunch. We then headed over to Top Golf for what I thought was going to be golf but just ended up being more drinking. I guess the main reason I'm telling you this is so you understand why we sound so inebriated in future clips. The draft was taking place at a bar in downtown Nashville that night called Buffalo's. Draft and Roto Grinders had rented the entire place out and it got loud quickly, but we did get a chance to check in with Josh and his wife Katie who had joined him for the weekend we learned that there was a lot more on the line for Josh than just $40,000. Kids were on the line. And I want another one, so if you win so we can have another one. Whoa! Oh, shit. Uh-oh. Nice things either way. You said if we win, that we can have another one. No comment? Okay. Come on, Josh. You didn't tell us the stakes were this high, man. <laughs> Josh, Josh, church your loins. Church your loins. I mean, you said you could win 40000 tonight, but if we think about the cost of another kid yeah. setting up through college, hey, you hey, stand hey. to lose like 200000 <laughs> The cost is nothing compared to the love of a child. Justin, you're not seeing that. At Buffalo's, Draft had set up a stage near the front of the bar where the 10 players would gather around and make their picks. Also on the stage was a couch in a broadcasting setup where Roto Grinders employees Dan Bach and David Kitchen would be doing play-by-play commentary over the loudspeakers, as well as for a live stream for anyone who wanted to tune in online. All right, Cash Monet uh, just selected LaShawn McCoy uh, at 1.5. We just got our next pick, Michael Thomas. He's got his hand over his head. He's locked in right now. And it is DeAndre Hopkins. He decides to go with New. That that I mean, that is the all volume team right there. I don't think it's a bad strategy in the way that he's rolling. As someone who has done improv in a crowded bar where only a handful of people are paying attention, I appreciated the tough job Dan and David had to entertain not only the people in the room, but also anyone tuning into the live stream. Keeping things entertaining wasn't the only challenge for them, though. They also had to deal with a rogue lady who crashed the broadcasting area and nestled herself in between them on the sofa. 
It was weird. Like, I never thought in a million years we'd need security to do a DFS broadcast, but there we were. Some blonde girl jumps up and starts uh, cuddling with my co-host, and I'm sitting there thinking she was somebody's friend, wife, girlfriend, whatever. I thought it was a contestant's girlfriend at first, and it wasn't. And then I was like, okay, well, I don't know what's going on here. Security! 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 As we mentioned earlier, one of the most exciting things about getting to track this live final was that it included an actual draft. These guys weren't holed up in their hotel rooms agonizing over to who to put in their flex behind closed doors. They were on a stage in front of everyone on a Saturday night making their picks in real time. Bach appreciated this change of pace. Typically, you don't follow people making their lineups for the actual event. This you did. We did it in real time. We could comment on it and have fun with it. You cannot do that in salary cap. And I think that's what makes this draft experience totally unique and gives it a lot greater potential for this type of thing because you know people want to know what it's like to like be in these guys' shoes. And well, you can do that when you do a live draft. You can't do that when you're building a salary cap lineup in the same way. You can't follow it and build compelling content from we mentioned Evan Silva earlier. He's the senior editor of Roto World, a contributor to multiple Roto Grinders podcasts, and if you're asking me, the kingpin of the fantasy football industry. He drove to Nashville with his brother Drew to take in the festivities, and his presence loomed large over the weekend, as everyone knows and loves Silva. He's the closest thing to a celebrity that you'll find at the live final. Cal Spears summed it up nicely. Dude, and he's like he's like the god here too. Like he's awesome. It's so awesome to have him because everybody gets to meet Silva. And it's yeah, like yeah. the story people are gonna go home with, number one, is oh. meeting Silva. Over the course of the weekend, Silva enjoyed beers and took selfies with fantasy diehards, but we also quickly discovered that the foosball table is where he is really in his element. Look at Silva! <laughs> <laughs> For a brief second, it crossed my mind to join him for a game as his partner. Then I quickly reconsidered. I will not play with Silva because he would hate me if I fucked up. Crane felt similarly. I'm just going to play foosball now, and I'm terrified to ever play with foosball because he might don't, kill me. Just don't with yeah. <laughs> In case you missed it, that's Evan telling Crane not to play against him. The man is serious about his foosball. Now, I'd be lying if I said I was taking stock of all the picks that were being made over the course of the draft night. Between an open bar, watching Silva go ham on the foosball table, and trying to collect as many free draft fidget spinners as possible, the details get a little fuzzy. But I was assured that all of the picks had been successfully made and the finalists were locked and loaded for sweating their teams the next day. On Sunday, everyone nursed their hangovers before reconvening at another local Nashville bar called Kung Fu Saloon. It was time to sweat the action and see which of these 10 finalists would take down the $40,000 top prize. Luckily, there was a karaoke room at the bar that we were able to commandeer and talk to people throughout the day as the games unfolded. 
One of the first things on the docket was checking in with Josh and getting a rundown of his team. So I have Derek Carr, Kareem Hunt, Rex Burkhead, Stefan Diggs, and Devontae Parker. It's a sick team. He had trusted his gut and stuck with Hunt as his first pick. Sorry, Silva. Oh, before we continue, there is another qualifying story we need to tell you. We mentioned Eric Crane earlier, a Millie Maker winner and someone who has attended many live finals, but we didn't mention exactly how he qualified for this draft live final. It was an $1,800 five-man qualifier, and he spent hours preparing for the draft. Just kidding. He forgot to show up for it. I was doing a show, and 10 minutes after the draft started, I just... Like, I was doing a live show um, on Rotogrind, and so my face just goes flush, and I go, oh, crap. Yeah, I pick up the phone, and I look at it, and I go, oh, look, four guys who I have no interest in this week. And, of course, they all did well, which should tell you how my Week 10 went in general. So it, uh, it worked out pretty well. But... He endured his fair share of ribbing on Twitter after qualifying via auto-draft, but I couldn't help but rub it in a bit more on Sunday while asking him about his draft the night before. So did you feel out of your comfort zone actually drafting as opposed to auto-drafting last night? <laughs> uh, no, I felt okay. That's a good question. As a recreational player who had a huge sweat to qualify, Josh had the best reaction to the whole thing. It must be nice to just forget about $1,800 tournament. DFS is funny in that regard. It's a skill game, but sometimes it's nice being lucky. It surely doesn't diminish Crane's skill when it comes to DFS. When we spoke with Jeremy Levine, the CEO of Draft, he randomly brought up Crane as someone who has enjoyed repeated success on his site. Eric Crane, Jacks here, is, uh, he won one of the live drafts, or even two live drafts that same night back to back. Uh, last year he came in first and one second and another. And from what I hear, he's doing pretty well today. So. For a casual player like Josh, the prize pool at the Draft Live final could completely alter his bankroll which added a bunch of pressure for the weekend. But for pros like Crane, the smaller prize pool relative to other live finals provided an opportunity to relax. It's a much more relaxed atmosphere, you know, and part of that is you're not playing for like $5 million like some of the live finals. There's actually, I think, something to be said for the live finals where you're only playing for, you know, 40K up top rather than 4 million bucks because, you know, you're not sitting around and, you're not hating life if you don't yeah. win. Like this one, if I win it, great. If I don't win it, I can live with that. Yeah. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lose my mind. Whereas you know, when it's millions and millions of dollars on top, it's just like that. That can be a little stressful. One person who knows about the stress of sweating a tournament with a million dollars on the line is Cal Spears, who just a few weeks before took down the DraftKings Millie Maker GPP. Cal let us know what life had been like since then. It doesn't like change my life a ton, but it's, you know, it's very comforting and um, it adds a lot of security and it lets me do really nice things for my family, which is like by far the, the best feeling that I've had out of it is just like doing, doing fun things for my family, yeah. like buying them nice things or just giving them money. And, um, and then the coolest thing about it outside of that is the, the reach of DraftKings and the reach of the Billy Maker is way bigger than I thought. Like people from a past life, poker life, that I haven't talked to in years, reaching out and saying congrats. So it's been like a, it's like reconnected me with people that I haven't talked to in a long time. Yeah. Uh, I had a smile on my face for like two weeks straight, like jawbones getting tired. Yeah. It was, it was, it was incredible. 
considering Cal is the CEO of Roto Grinders and Roto Grinders sponsored the draft live final, I had to put on my journalist hat and ask him if there was any concern about the optics of him participating. It wasn't because of the optics. It was more because of the that spirit of like this is, is this this is something for the community or is it something that we can do too? Yeah. Optics wise, I mean, you know, there's idiots that always are like like just grasping at straws for pollution. It's like impossible to pollute something like this. So uh, I'm not worried about the optics of it at all. Even though I know there will be like some trolls on Twitter that say something stupid yeah. or to win. But uh, we did have a conversation about should we not let Rotogrinders employees participate just so that it's a big community event. Yeah. And I, you know, I think like Jeremy felt the way that like I, I, it's just like a better event if we participate. Yeah. You know, if we're all a part of it, all trying to. Yeah. As we were talking to Cal on Sunday, he was rocketing up the draft final leaderboard. And it was all primarily because of the monster day Keenan Allen was having. What's incredible about that, though, is that Keenan Allen wasn't even one of the five players Cal drafted the night before. Thanks to his ability to late swap an injured player, Cal had the opportunity to add an undrafted guy to his team before the game started. My last pick was Sterling Shepard because I figured like, if he's inactive, I can late swap him. And I walked around the bar last night asking people I remember you told us thought that I should switch to Keenan Allen like the chalky switch or to Marvin Jones and then the YOLO and uh, Keenan Allen wanted a landslide so I ended up switching from Sterling Shepard to Keenan Allen and now like every time I look at the leaderboard I'm a, I'm a position higher I'm in second right now Keenan Allen is doing all the work wait so when did you officially make your late swap to Keenan when did you do that was that this uh, we, went out, we went out hard last night, so I knew I had the option when I woke up <laughs> and that I would like be able to like really put a lot of thought into it. But at like 2 o'clock last night, I was like, no, like, I'm just going to do it right now. <laughs> you were just, just hammered? Case, you know, it made just, yeah, just, just in case. I wouldn't say hammered, but I was, I was, I was feeling good. And uh, <laughs> just in case I didn't wake up, I went ahead and made the late swap at like 2 o'clock last night. That's right. I just love that you made the best play to the nut play at 2 a.m. on Saturday. As the first set of games progressed on Sunday, we were disappointed to see that Josh's team was near the bottom of the leaderboard. Kareem Hunt never got it going. Stefan Diggs had multiple near misses. Things just weren't working out. But things were breaking right for Cash Monet, who had drafted a contrarian team of Philip Rivers, Orleans Darkwaugh, LaShawn McCoy, DeAndre Hopkins, and Michael Thomas. Sure, they were all heavy hitters, but on paper, many of them had tough individual matchups that pushed them down draft boards. Cash Monet explained his thought process. Opportunity is everything in fantasy, obviously, and, and there's certain guys that are just going to get it. But like, I think I got Hopkins in the third round. He's the, like the number one receiver, receiver in the NFL for the opportunity goes, you know? So, just people got afraid of the matchup. That's what I'm saying, and I wasn't yeah. using any sort of uh, emotion there with that. It was just, I want the ball. I want, the, I want them to be touching the ball. Yeah. As his team shot up the leaderboard, it became clear this was Cash Monet's tournament to lose. And so we pulled him into the karaoke room to shoot the shit with him during the final minutes of the fourth quarter. We watched him perk up as the draft staff prepared the big check for the champ. You know what that is right there? It is. Getting it ready. I love that. Here it is. That's the best part. The Happy Gilmore check just walked by you. You should see this guy's eyes when that check walked by. They got all big. I love the check. As the final seconds ticked down, Cash Monet remained in first, and the celebration began. That's it. You did it, dude. All right. Our chance. Yeah.
go enjoy it out here, man. Cash and Monet. Congrats, man. Yeah, yeah. Let's go get this big check. If it sounds like I'm more excited than Monet, it's probably because I am. When you see some random handle win a tournament online, it means nothing. But being in Nashville made the tournament itself a spectator sport where you're able to cheer along with the guy who is about to win. All right, we're here at the Grinders party getting things wrapped up and we're with the winner of the draft live final, Mr. Cash Monet. Congrats, man, you got the big check. $40,000, how's it feel? It feels fantastic, I'm excited. It didn't quite go as planned. Uh, there were some guys that fell further down than I anticipated. I, I would have never guessed that I would have gotten Hopkins in the third round. Congrats to Cash Monet. Thanks to Draft, an amazing event. He wouldn't reveal all of his celebration plans, but Cash Monet made it sound like they might have done their celebrating the night before. I know we got to get some big steaks. We were talking about that before. So we're gonna, oh, I think oh. I, this uh, <laughs> Uber driver yesterday told us about this uh, place he used to work at there. He swears by, so I think we're going to go grab some uh, some steaks and then afterwards, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to lie, we uh, we went a little hard last night. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like everybody is. <laughs> With Monet soaking up the spotlight in the winner's circle, we hadn't forgotten about Josh. Though we did feel bad about talking with him while he was so bummed out. There's nothing worse than a couple of tipsy podcast producers putting a mic in your face after finishing last. But he was gracious enough to talk with us about the experience. How are you feeling, man? Uh, you know, just a little bummed. Uh, yeah. you, know, you always want, want to finish better than last place, but yeah. you know, you know, I'm still happy with my process. And at the end of the day, what? You put $15 in. Right, yeah. You got a free trip to Nashville. Yeah. You won $1,500. Yeah. Then you have a free fireball shot. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to finish that, but... Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was a great weekend yeah. for $15. You know, we can't, can't really complain too much about it. A great weekend for $15. If that doesn't sum up the appeal of a daily fantasy sports live final, I don't know what does. And in Josh's case, he also got to give his wife Katie a fun weekend away from the kids. And from the sound of things, you can't put a price on that. She's a lot more supportive of Daily Fantasy now <laughs> after that experience. Thank you for listening to Fantasyland, the podcast that covers everything you didn't know you wanted to know about fantasy sports. And special thanks to everyone who talked with us for this episode. Dan Bach, Josh Wasaki, Eric Crane, Steve Carl, a.k.a. Cash Monet, Cal Spears, and Jeremy Levine. We also want to give a special thanks to Cam McMillan and the crew over at Roto Grinders for hosting us at the event and providing access to players and food and beer. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review Fantasyland on iTunes and tell a friend about the show. We'd really appreciate it. If you've missed any of our previous episodes, you can find those on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play. All of the shows are evergreen, so it's never too late to go back and listen to an older episode. And if you have any ideas for future shows, specifically great stories within the world of fantasy sports, drop us a line at fantasylandpod at gmail.com or shoot us a message on Twitter, also at fantasylandpod. Fantasyland was created by Fantasy Douche and Matthew Friedman. Our producer is Pat Corain, and I'm your host, Peter Overzet.